Life Uncut podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This episode is recorded on Gadigal land of the Aurora Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Life Uncut. I'm Laura. I'm Brittany. And this is our down and dirty, sexy, fun little Thursday episode where we answer all your deep, dark and burning questions. Do you still feel random? But do you still feel, even though we've been back a few days from our Bali trip, actually we've been back a while, I feel like this weird jet lag, but the time difference is only two hours. Like what is, is that actually jet lag or am I having holiday withdrawals? I think it's a bit of both, but also I'm like with you on the jet lag thing because like, okay, if you normally wake up at 6am, you're now waking up at what is Bali 4am. Like that's jet lag. That's fine. You can have it with two hours. I think sometimes when the travel is less time, the jet lag is more severe. I don't know if that's a fact. No one quote us on that. I've certainly done (laughs) zero research, but I do have two kids that are also jet lagged because their sleep pattern since getting home is forked and it is not enjoyable for anyone, especially in my household. And that is why I've had to just make you your third cup of coffee for the day. I would like to say it is 5pm and that's why you've had three, but it's three and it's probably like 10am. And it's like to my (laughs) eyeballs, but it's keeping me feeling, I'm feeling great. This is exactly what I need in my life. This is very convenient because Starbucks at Home are our sponsor for today's episode. They are a long-term partner of ours and one we absolutely love. Now, Starbucks at Home have three different roasts. They have the blonde, the medium and the dark. So there really is something for everyone. And Starbucks at Home can help you be more confident and creative with your coffee making at home also. And let me just say, Brittany Hockley, you have gotten very good at milk frothing. Very good. <laughs> because you drink so many coffees. You can put this on your resume <laughs> as one of your true skills. But let's get into what today's episode is all about. And that is answering all of your questions. We have been on break. We have had so many questions come in, like hundreds and thousands. And I'm sorry that we don't get a chance to get back to or answer every single question. We do have an amazing person who works in admin now who goes through and actually replies to everyone. So we guarantee that your messages have all been seen, but we have picked out a few for today. Before we do get into this, I want to just talk about something I just read. So obviously we've just come home from holidays, from overseas. We've come back How to long do Sydney. you think we can talk about holidays for before people, are, we before people start reviewing us and saying, Laura and Brittany only ever talk about fucking holidays. Until we go on another holiday. <laughs> All right, three months later. No, I just thought it, this was just, for me, this timing from the universe, I was like, maybe I need to move somewhere else. Don't hate me, Laura. But this is what I felt. I read this article by Time Out Magazine. And I thought, great, I need to pack up and move countries. Time Out Magazine just did a survey with about 20,000 different people from all over the world. That's a fair few people. It's a lot of people. If you've got 20,000 people in a room, you would, uh, it would be a big wedding, put it that now, way. Now, the results that came back about Sydney do not instill a lot of confidence in me. <laughs> it came back that three quarters of people said Sydney was pretty much the number one city in the world, like the worst city in the world to make friends like to meet anybody new they were saying that we weren't very nice people and it wasn't easy and I guess people are all in their cliques maybe like maybe it's hard to break that barrier but that many people have said it's not a friendly city on top of that they've come back as 
a loveless city. They've said it is so hard to be single here. Now, this is people that have traveled from all over the world and spent time here and spent times in other countries. So they've said being single is fucking cooked. Like, don't go there. But you know why I think Sydney's so hard for meeting new people? It's also because we have no nightlife anymore. Well, that and was I the know third thing. There's no nightlife. That was it. It was the second worst place in the world for nightlife. What's so the first worst place in the world? It doesn't say which one is first. Probably, would, probably somewhere like Antarctica. I would say that that probably has a fucking bad nightlife. <laughs> it's, the, it's the North Pole. <laughs> What else has a terrible... No, but I mean, like, it makes sense, right? Like, not that you need to be drinking to make friends or anything like that, but, like, going out, being able to, like, have a bit of a boogie, have a party, like, that is where so many best friends are made in bathrooms. Or, like, you you meet new people, you change numbers, whatever. Like, think about the amount of friends that you made when you're in your 20s and you're going out and you're being social versus the way that Sydney is set up now. Now, it's like you arrange to go for dinner with people who you already have a foundation of friendship with. Absolutely. So now you can't go out, you can't make friends, you can't fall in love. So it's 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 not ideal. But speaking of love, actually, I am going on a date tonight. With someone from Sydney? Actually, no. <laughs> He's from England, but he lives in Sydney now. But I am going on a date tonight. Wish me luck. He's not from Australia. So this could be a positive thing after hearing those results. Because no Sydney person will date you because they're no. already, they don't want to open up their circle. I mean, well, I wasn't going to go that far, Laura, but keep you know me what? while I'm down. No Sydney I, people will I want to say one thing because I think like on this like little report that's been done, I think that people who live in Sydney and like we obviously are from Sydney, right? So this is, this is definitely not a Sydney based podcast in terms of like we are open to all areas. It goes out all across Australia and the world, but mostly you guys are from Australia. So I think that people who live in Sydney think that Sydney is the best place to live. Well, Whereas the- like if you ask people in Melbourne, they will say that Melbourne is the best place no, to live. If you ask but there any- is like a fucking rivalry. And every time I have been to Melbourne or I have been to other metropolitan cities in Australia, I'm always like, wow, I think they're a bit better than Sydney. Like Melbourne is better. It has so much culture. There is so much nice stuff to do. It's just that it's often raining and cold, not to like stereotype, but it is better. No, but also it's not just Melbournians that think Melbourne's better. The rest of the world also thinks <laughs> Melbourne's better. So. <laughs> I think we can give that one to them. Also, Adelaide, freaking great. Very underrated. Perth, small, oh, a long way amazing. away. Its Adelaide, own country, great. Wouldn't even let people in during COVID because it was so good they didn't want us. It has its own microclimate. Do you know, okay, going back to this whole thing that you're doing tonight, which is going on a date. This whole weird thing that no one knows what a date is. Yeah, this very foreign concept uh, that is called a date. I read something that I want to share with you before we get into answering questions. Now, it is trending on TikTok. Uh, It is also trending across all news websites at the moment. So not only if you're not on TikTok, like if you Google this word, you will find it. You may have even heard other people talking about it. So we can collectively say... It's trending. It's a fucking thing. <laughs> it is a thing. And I heard it thrown around a few times whilst we were on holidays. And I put it into my notes because I was like, I need to talk to you about this, Brit. And that is vabbing. Is, are you saying vaping with an accent? <laughs> For a stutter? Hey, man, vabbing. <laughs> no. Is it like dabbing with a vape? <laughs> no. It is dabbing something, though. Dabbing your vagina. Dab- the vaping. What? Dabbing a what? Your vagina. I mean, dabbing a vagina how? Or you would do it. You do everything else to it. This is is really great. I feel like we're playing a game of charades now. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, vabbing is something that has taken the world by storm. Uh, It currently has 35.7 million views on TikTok. Wow, I need to get out more. (laughs) There is a lot of conversations happening about vabbing. Vabbing is when you take your vaginal juices. I knew it was the vagina. And you dab it 
on your erogenous zone. So like under your arms, you dab it on your neck, you dab it on your wrists and you use your vaginal discharge as perfume. Should I do this on my date tonight and see what happens? Yes. (laughs) So apparently it is like how you use your pheromones to be able to attract the opposite sex. And there are so many people doing it and there are so many people documenting their experiences with vabbing. I do not want to walk around smelling people's vaginas down the street. Like this Well, you might be. Imagine if someone was doing it and then they just gave you a hug and you didn't know that they'd vabbed that morning. I mean, there's no consent there, is there? Where's the line? Okay, but it's like, okay, so apparently, and you got to think about it. Scientists have been trying to manufacture like artificial chemical-based pheromones for the better part of the last three decades, right? I, like, I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow did it with her candle, didn't she? Yeah, well, no, I think that actually smelt more like patchouli oil or patchouli oil or whatever it was. <laughs> whatever her vagina smelled like. <laughs> like literally smelled like dried flowers. No, so like this is something that scientists have been trying to do for a long time because there is so much money to be made if you could create a bottled version of what pheromones are. And I guess the thing is, is that it happens in the animal kingdom. Like dogs do it. They I don't smell know, each cats, other's butts. Cats do it. What, who, what other animals do it? Loads of animals. I'm sure loads. Monkeys. And I think that we kind of do it to some level. Like, I mean, you know, you might like your, the smell of your partner's BO, but not like the smell of anyone else's BO. That's a thing, right? Like, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, no, that's a thing. Matt's BO doesn't smell bad to me, but I'm sure it smells bad to other people. I remember, and you've just made me think of this, but I remember my very first boyfriend, he was a builder. Like he used to stink at the end of the day, like 10 hours in the sun, sweating. But I remember I used to love it. Like he used to do things to me. But if you just walk past someone that you don't know at the gym and you smell them, you're like, bro, go put some deodorant on. So apparently this is a thing. There are hordes of women out there who are dabbing their vaginal discharge onto their bodies in the hopes of attracting men. And I just Oh my just God, think- Laura, I just realised what the smell is in here. You can't... <laughs> You have tested this on me, haven't you? Absolutely not. Absolutely, uh, there's n- there is nothing that I'm going to gain from doing that in this environment whatsoever. <laughs> oh, I know what you're up to. Okay, but let me just. This is how I feel about this. We already have to go to so much effort on dates. Like you got to shave your legs. You've got to like fix on, what's happening what? downstairs. You got to like shave your underarms. You got to do your hair. You got to put makeup on. There's so much effort that women have to go to when they're going on dates, right? So this is just one extra step, and then do you put your dab on and then put perfume on or do you just dab and go? No, you dab and go. You don't dab spray and go because it covers up the dab. But then what if you get there and you smell like a vagina? Well, it's the point. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the whole point. What if you get there and you smell like a vagina and your date looks at you and goes, you smell oddly like a vagina. Do you think I should try it tonight? I will. I will pay you money to go on a date and report back for the podcast. If I had to go and get a vagina ozonizer for content, you are going to dab and come back and report. Can I just say, no one made you go and get the vagina ozonizer. You were like frothing at the bits to go and get that done. You kept it a secret. You're like, this is going to be great. I did it purely for content, guys. I did it for the greater good of this podcast. Yeah, right. Well, look, my date just messaged me right now. Do you want to see him and just tell me if you think I should dab? Okay. All right, here we go. Brittany's showing me a photo. This is what's happening. I'm getting a live viewing of tonight's date. Do you know what I really like? Okay, you can zoom in there. He's the one with the dog. I really like when somebody uses your name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you should, should vab. Like you. <laughs> Brittany, <laughs> is, Brittany is vabbing tonight. That is, you need to go. I keep calling it dabbing. You need to go and dab some vab. <laughs> that is one boy. 
Hello. Is what is his name? Oh, yeah. Cute. Don't say. I thought you were cute. Hmm. Anyway, I'm not. I don't think he's the right person to trial the dab. Oh, I think if anyone was going to have a little hello. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I approve of this one. I don't really approve of many. She never approves of any. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to a live update Okay, after well, this you're date. in 2014 now on his Instagram. Should I like one? <laughs> All, right. All right, let's get into the questions for today. First off the ranks, we have a very important one. All right, question number one. Hi, guys. I've been in a relationship with my partner for two years and we have an amazing relationship. He's the first person I've ever had sex with and it's been great. At least I think so. Now, I don't know what it's like to orgasm and there has been a few times when I've spasmed, but I'm not sure if this means I've come. What is it like for you and do you know if it's happened? This... You can take this one first, Britt. Yeah, I can see you giggling (laughs) all the way over there. This is actually a very, very good question and a very fair question and I think pretty common because maybe a lot of people don't know, but not everyone can orgasm like that is a thing even the people that do orgasm orgasm very differently some do a clitoral like external orgasm some are internal orgasm and some people and i believe laura from our conversations we both know people in life that haven't orgasmed not for not want of trying but they haven't got there and this is actually brilliant because we are going to do a whole episode on orgasms very very soon but in answer to your question on on how do you know if you've done it? I mean, and I can only speak for myself because I've only orgasmed for myself, but you know, <laughs> it feels so good. <laughs> like, you know that that is happening at the time. So, okay, this I don't know. Is, this it, is why I think the question is an interesting one because for me, the sensation of having an orgasm is so unmistakable that I, I 100% know I've had an orgasm. And that is from the very first time I ever had one. You know, I was like, oh, this is an orgasm. Oh, and some of them get way better, especially from the first time to the last time, they get better. But like, but yeah, you, you can't not, when it's happening, you can't not know what's happening. But then I think when she says, you know, I've definitely spasmed, but I don't know if that's an orgasm. What could that be? Like maybe, maybe this person who's writing in is having orgasms or they're having a really heightened sense of arousal, but maybe in their mind, they think that an orgasm is supposed to be this like transcending, toe curling, euphoric, like I go, I fucking astral plane to another planet moment. And maybe they can be, but maybe that's not what their orgasms are because obviously every single person is going to be different. And even though I think people experience orgasms in a similar way, they definitely don't experience it in the same way. Yeah, this is exactly right. And one thing I want to add here is, and all I'm going to say is definitely tune into the episode we're going to do, because we will ask all these questions and we will really draw this out. But we've spoken to sexologists in the past that have said orgasms can be learned. They, They can be something that you can teach yourself and your partner and your body to improve or experience differently or or on different levels. So what Laurie just said could very much be true. You could be having one, but you could be very much stuck in your own mind thinking, is it happening? Is this it? Am I having it? Like what am I experiencing? So maybe you're not in that moment enough to enjoy it and experience it and let go. Like this is just... I mean, we don't know. This is just a thought process that if you find yourself thinking that at that time, maybe try and just be really present in that moment and really enjoy what is happening as opposed to like worrying if it's happening. Also, I think like on this and what you said earlier, Britt, about how there is clitoral orgasms and how there is an internal orgasm, 
the type of intensity that you can get from different types of orgasms is like that's something that plays and factors in. Like a lot of people will only orgasm if there's external stimulation. The way you are waving those two fingers around I, as you talk, Laura, <laughs> you are waving two fingers by in, external yeah, stimulation. There are a whole, there's a lot going on. I talk with my hands. But I guess the thing is, is that from what we've learned from the interviews we've done in the past with sexologist Chantal Otten and also sexologist Juliet Allen, internal orgasms that are achieved from internal stimulation can be far like far more intense than an external one but i also and but I, also on top of that laura before you go on is that they can literally on top of it t- jumping on top of you as you wave those fingers around to, uh, whoa, whoa <laughs> with, uh, out of my vabbing this morning <laughs> I I told working. <laughs> no but the other thing is like yes internal can be different to external but also when they're combined they can be different as well so if they're happening at the same time you're having penetrative sex, something's going on with the clitoris simultaneously and they're together, that can be different again. So there are just so many. There's not a one-size-fits-all. Well, to round out this question, I did do a bit of research on this, uh, not physical research. Uh, I did like, my just once can you make me orgasm so I can see what it's like to tell the I girls. I need to explain to people what my orgasms feel like. No, this has got nothing to do with my personal experience, but this is a bit of information around and, – and it's a very common question, like how do I know if I've had an orgasm? Okay, so – the idea of an orgasm is supposed to be the relief of pressure. So if you've gotten to a point where you're so sexually aroused that you have this intense feeling and then the orgasm is like a feeling of completeness, like something has been done. Do you know what I mean? So if you have had this spasm, as you describe it, and then afterwards you're like, ah, oh, I feel satisfied now. Like I'm kind of, I'm kind of done. I need a, not necessarily a break, but like there's a calmness that comes afterwards. Like that is an orgasm. And I think that for, for a lot of people, especially if you don't feel it to the same level of intensity as what a lot of people do. So like for you or I, Brit, we undeniably know when it's happened. Like we're like, yes, that's what that was. Cool. I'm done now. Or if you, I mean, I'm you like you, Brit, you, you, like, you like to go for multiples, but if I've had one, I'm, I'm wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I'm finished. But I think if you have a level of satisfaction that comes after you've had this spasm or however you you describe it. it could be like this is how it's described in this I'm going to read this for you there is no one way or one size fits all when it comes to orgasms so the doneness like this feeling of being done may be associated with vigorous muscle jerking or very quiet shivers or just a funny tiredness after sex also so this could range from anything like the full on all intense body experience of like Yes, that was levitating. Levitate, I'm astroplaned. <laughs> or it could be something that is like a far more subtle experience. And that is simply because everybody is so incredibly different. Question number two. <laughs> Tune in to our episode for the sexologist soon. I feel like we have someone on who's way better equipped to comment on orgasms. And also what we're trying, the reason why we haven't got that episode completely finished yet is that we're really wanting to speak to someone who has never experienced an orgasm as well. So somebody who has had an active, healthy sex life, has had multiple sexual partners, but just hasn't experienced an orgasm and how that impacts their like how that impacts their relationships, how it impacts their sex life, how it impacts the way that they communicate with their partners so that we can give a really sort of full rounded context to that episode. Okay, I'm coming in with question number two. I don't like my engagement ring. Okay, guys, my penguin partner of 10 plus years recently finally surprised me with a proposal. I mean, 10 years, you've, you've put in the effort, girl. 10 years is a long time. 
I was at a point where I thought this would never happen as we always prioritized other things over the years. Example, holidays, house, babies. We have a toddler and another on the way. But he recently went out by himself and chose a ring design, sourced a diamond with the jeweler and surprised me. The thoughtfulness behind this I am so grateful for and it really demonstrates his personality traits that I love so much. However, I was slightly underwhelmed by his choice. Having been interested in fine jewellery for a while now, I know a bit about diamonds and let's just say I would have put a bit more priority on carrot size rather than the best coloured diamond within the budget that he spent. I sat on this for a few weeks and finally told him and asked him how he would feel if I investigated a different diamond choice. I love the design. I just wanted to see what options there were for a bigger center stone within his budget. Curiosity just got the better of me and I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I felt the need to be honest with him, especially since I will be wearing this ring for the rest of my life. But he has been really hurt by this comment ever since, which has made me feel terrible and ungrateful. Have I done the wrong thing by being honest with him on his engagement ring choice? Oh, it's a really hard one. I mean, I see why he's hurt for sure. I absolutely see why he's hurt. But as someone, okay, as someone who is a jeweler, jeweler, like um, that's that's my job for anyone who doesn't know, hashtag Tony May. So <laughs> if anyone who wants to get an engagement ring designed, uh, I'm here, I'm waiting, I'm available. Not officially sponsored. So <laughs> no, but definitely not. I, I got nothing <laughs> from that. <laughs> Okay, so there is so much, even if it might seem thoughtless. So even if to you, you're like, this is not my style, I don't like this. Normally and typically when someone proposes, there is still a lot of thought that and a lot of like a lot of time and a lot of pressure and a lot of emotion that's gone into that choice or the choice of that ring by your partner. Sometimes people get it wrong. Like they just do. Sometimes they're not attuned with, the clues or with your style. And he's only had 10 years to think about totally. it. Give him a break. And they, and they purchase something that they like, but they're not really necessarily thinking like, what is it that you like, you know? But at the end of the day, 99.9% of the time, they have put so much effort into finding that ring. So there is a bit of an ego bruise that comes with finding out that your partner didn't like it because intentionally they've tried to do the best thing by you. So I... I, anytime that I've ever had, it's only happened twice. So in all the engagement rings I've ever designed, created, I've had two people come to me and say, my partner doesn't like it or, or even better. I once had a, had a guy halfway through the process, the ring was almost finished. He said, fuck, my girlfriend has just sent me some photos of rings that she likes. And it's completely different to the ring that we're making. Like, what can we do? Like sometimes people get it wrong. You haven't done anything wrong by voicing the way that you feel, um, but you do have to have the sensitivity that, of course, his feelings are hurt and that's also okay. And probably for him, he probably feels like, oh, it's ruined the proposal a little bit because your reaction wasn't just like, I'm so happy, I love the ring, I want to marry you. Your reaction was, I want to marry you and I hate this. Well, I think her, no, I think her reaction was, I want to marry you, I'm so happy. And it was a few weeks later that she was like, okay, I don't want to put this on my hand and look at it for the rest of eternity. So I'm going to say something. I think I'm trying to put myself in a situation which I've never really come close to and I probably won't for a long time. But so it's a look, lucky I'm, I act. So, so I'm, going to, I'm just going to try and imagine it. I think that I would also say something if I detested the ring that much, but I would, I would have to really dislike it. I think he's just at the end of the day, 
of course he's going to be a bit hurt that he didn't just nail it like a hundred percent. He didn't come in with the goods and it was just like this beautiful, happy ending. Obviously there's a part of him that's like, well, I just feel like I wasn't fucking good enough in this moment. But I think if you explain it and just say exactly that, just say, I am so over the moon that I get to marry you and spend my life with you. It's like, there is no doubt about that. I think it's just, this isn't, 100% my style and I have to wear it forever so if we could just maybe tweak it a little bit this would be brilliant but let's do it together so like take him on the journey with you so you can go and source the new style together you can pick it together so he still feels like he has an input and a choice that would be my suggestion in this yeah and I absolutely agree I do think that he has to have an input and it has to be something that's done collaboratively um the only thing that I and I mean I have definitely seen this and experienced this before but like if he says no, I don't want you to change the ring because that's the ring I proposed to you with. I do feel that there comes a point where you kind of just have to accept that like that is that is how he feels about it. You can't you can't make him be okay with it, right? Oh, I'd be drawing up the divorce papers. But you can't you can't make someone so like if he was like, no, I, I designed that and I really want that to be the wedding ring, like that to be your engagement ring, which would be weird. It'd be a weird, weird flex, weird flex, but I've definitely seen it happen. Really? Yes. Like my ring or nothing. He's like, well, like this way. is it as in like, I don't want you to change it because then it loses the sentiment from the fact that that's the ring I propose with. It's no longer that ring. And so like people become really attached to objects. And I understand that that is something that a lot of people feel, even if it's not my style, they become attached to the the meaning that it represents. So they don't want to fuck with that because then it, they think it's going to, you know, tarnish whatever it was that the proposal was but what I think you can also do is be like cool when it's our one year anniversary or when it's our whatever whatever big milestone that you have or when it comes to the engagement ring then you get all the say you can be like I need I need a 10 year ring and that's going to then turn into my wedding ring I'll never wear this again on our one year anniversary let's melt that bad boy down and redesign something else but also like at the end of the day he's going to be hurt but he's going to want you to wear something that you love 100 percent He's not going to flex and say it's the ring or nothing or I'm leaving. Like he's just, And yes, okay, he's going to be hurt, normal. You can design it together. You can create something you love together. I think that that will be a very normal progression. But this is going to be an Ask Uncut Aftermath, please. Please write back in and tell us what happens with this because we're, I'm, I'm not going to sleep until I find out. Well, okay, well, here's the other thing though. What is more important, wearing a ring that you don't love or his feelings? The ring. <laughs> Is this a trick question? <laughs> no, but it's serious. Like, if he's going to be that hurt by it. Yeah, but also he's oh, – I mean, come on. Grow buddy. up. You're not going to be that hurt Grow the fuck up. It, yeah. All right, okay. Question number three. My husband and our two little girls, who are three and five, and I were recently on holidays in Thailand. We were on a boat trip and some young backpackers boarded the boat. I'm talking maybe 17, 18 years old, living their best lives in bikinis. Amazing for them. I love that for I them. I can see where this is going. Unfortunately, this is real life Instagram scrolling. Yeah, but this is a bit more. Okay, unfortunately, my husband loved it for them too. I know everyone looks and that's fine, but what I saw him do really feels absolutely not fine with me. When the girls walked past, I saw him staring right at their crotch and the look on his face gave me the absolute fucking ick. He zeroed in on all of their crotches as they walked past. It was unmistakable and I can't get past it. I already had a bad feeling about him, to be honest, and now I feel even more like I don't trust him. I guess my question is, how common do you think this is? Do all men do this or is my husband a complete creep? What I can say is this is a 
I mean, I didn't pre-read that question, so this is oh, point. coming in. Right. Brittany did a research. Right. She really prepped. Not this one, yeah. I'm pulling the uh, my jaw up off the ground right now. The first thing that jumps out at me in that is that you said, and I don't think this is ever a sentence that should be said, I don't have a good feeling about my husband. I never have. Like that to me, I feel like when you are choosing a life partner, you have a good feeling about them. So there's definitely uh, an underlying alarm bell there for me that – whether something has happened with you guys in the past that you, obviously we don't know that, but maybe something has, has set you on that track or maybe this is just that guttural deep instinct that as women is built into us that sometimes you just feel like something isn't right. But I think that I think that, that sentence, I always got a bad feeling kind of a thing, I don't think that sentiment belongs in a, in a sentence with your husband. Oh, I'm jumping in hot on this one. This to me is a fucking huge red flag. Yeah. And I, yes, sure, people look, it's okay to appreciate beautiful people. That is fine. Is it okay to predatory stare at another woman's crotch? Especially like, a, a, no, no woman. I was going to say especially a young girl. Literally no woman. Like no one, no one. There is a appreciating beauty. There's a, oh, that girl's really attractive. There's a, hey, I'd like to tap that. And then there's a, I'm not even taking into account the person's face, but I'm like staring at them in a way that is like wildly predatory. And that's what I got from this question. And there is a reason why you feel the way that you feel. And there is a reason why it's made you as uncomfortable as it's made you. I think think that there's something about this question that gave me the instant ick. I can tell by your physical reaction, Britt, that it gave you the ick. And I think it's really important to draw a line in the sand with this. It's not normal for men to perv like that. Matt, he checks out other hot chicks. I'm so fine with it. He will appreciate beauty. Usually he'll be like, oh, that, that girl's really beautiful. I feel included in that. He doesn't do it in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable. And the fact that your husband around your two children and you felt like it was okay to view somebody else, but in a way that was actually just like so explicit, I think is quite problematic and not something that is normal. So I don't want anyone to think like, oh, it's fine. My boyfriend was totally staring at that chick's boobs and like, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And also I'm going to hone in on this one too. It is very, very normal to check out other people. Like at any point in a relationship, not in a relationship, it's it's human nature. You're always going to look at someone and appreciate them or be like, damn, they look really cute. They're really beautiful. They're hot. Whatever it is in your vocabulary. But this should be something that there's no more thought to it. It's an appreciation from afar. It's a respectful appreciation and it's not a pr- an appreciation that happens in front of your partner. Like in a relationship, if I see a hot guy down the beach, I'm going to, in my head, I'm like, he's cute. Then I, I don't think anything of it. And it's a subconscious thought because yeah. it's, it, it is literally in built in us. We've spoken to psychologists about it. We've spoken to sex therapists. This is something that is built into humans to see something and without even thinking it, like if you've just looked at something without even thinking it, you're like, wow, that's, that's, She's really pretty. He's he's really beautiful. It shouldn't be to the detriment of your relationship. It shouldn't be to – you shouldn't be feeling bad in a relationship that your partner's doing that. And like you said, Laura, if they are going to do it, Jordan and I used to do it for sure. But we would also – everyone would know, like you just said, it would be inclusive. wouldn't be like, look how hot that guy is, but I'd be like, oh, that tennis player is really attractive. Like I would say that to him and he'd be like, yeah, everyone loves him. You know, there were comments like – there'd be comments like that, but it's a very inclusive, like you yeah, said. Yeah, but even – I mean, you also – of course, you know, and I'm not saying like that it's normal to be like, that guy's really hot. Like if Matt – if we were walking down the street and Matt was like, that chick's really hot – and said it 
I would be like, mate, put your, put your fucking head in. Yeah, not like, on every block. No, <laughs> but like, you know, it's more, I guess like what I'm trying to say is, is that there's a reason why you feel the level of insecurity and the, the feeling of like something isn't right here. And that's because this behavior truly isn't right. If this was me and I was in this situation, what's my advice? Like, what do you do when you're married and you have two children? I don't know. I would absolutely be raising it with him, be saying like, this happened this is what I saw and this made me feel really, really uncomfortable and explaining why giving your partner the benefit of the doubt, which I don't think that he deserves it in this instance, but like maybe he didn't realize how overt or what he was doing and maybe he needs to be pulled up on his behavior and, and, and hopefully he himself feels a bit mortified and disgusted in himself if he's made aware of it and how obvious it was as well. Now, like I said, I don't really feel like it's something that somebody needs the benefit of the doubt on. I just think it's really terrible behavior. But I do think some sort of conversation needs to happen here because we're not going to sit here and tell you to just throw away your marriage and your husband and your happy life together. But if there's something that's made you feel this level of insecure, this level of the ick, and it is completely related to his behavior and the things that he does that make you feel like he's not trustworthy, you have to communicate this with him. I agree. Good luck. Also, you can't like this can't be avoided because you've got the ick. And once you've got the ick in a relationship, like you need to confront that or deal with it in some capacity because you can't live forever with the ick. Well, it just will fester and only get worse. Yeah, consume you. Good luck. <laughs> Report back. Conversation. Report back for aftermath. But also for anybody, if you guys have written in and ask uncut, if we have answered any of your questions and you have an ask uncut aftermath for us, please slide into the DMs and tell us what happened in your life. What was the aftermath for the question that you asked? But that is it from us, guys. We'll be back on Saturday with our radio show, all packaged up for you. Don't forget. To tell your mum. Tell your dad, tell your dog, tell your friends and share the love because we love love.